Welcome to the Gridiron Show. And I know we said there wasn't going to be another one before next week in Miami. But we had some hot content we had to bring you. So coming up on today's show, Jeff Reinbold, Sky Sports legend, a coach and all-round good guy, joins me to talk football. And the Scottish Hammer, Jamie Gillen, in the studio with Ollie Hunter. All coming up for you here on the Gridiron Show. Hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, uh, we've got Ollie Hunter, will be in the studio with the Scottish Hammer, Cleveland Browns punter Jamie Gillen a little bit later in the show for you. Uh, but first up is my conversation I had with Jeff Reinbold. He came into the studios to chat to me for Talk Sport for my Extra Time show ahead of me heading out to Miami for the Super Bowl next week. Um, so, before we get into this, all the usual housekeeping stuff, rate, review, subscribe. Genuinely, I know how many of you out there listen to this. It's not as many as we'd like. It could be more, and we'd love it if you promoted us so that that helped. Not that I'm asking you to do my job, but I'm asking you to do my job. But the point is, is that I know how many people listen, I know how many reviews we've got on iTunes, and there's not a correlation there. And we would love it, love it, if you could help us out with a little five stars, a little blurb as well, help that algorithm kick us up to a few more people, because we've got so much cool stuff coming up over Super Bowl week. I was telling Jeff about the interviews we've got coming up next week, and they're are some barnstormers do you want a do you want a little yeah go on let's give you a little t- taste of what we've got uh so ross tucker will be joining us on monday uh plus we're opening night we'll be talking to players and coaches from both sides the little matter of uh, ike taylor franco harris donovan mcnab oh, adoree jackson just trying to think of the people off the top of my head uh, <laughs> um We've got some good ones. We've got some real good ones coming up over the course of the week. So we really look forward to it. And we're going to bring you loads of great content from out in Miami across Gridiron on Twitter and at UK Gridiron on Instagram. So without further ado, let's get into our conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff Reinbold. Uh, And I was saying just before he introduces himself that he can be a man who's difficult to pin down when you're there for Super Bowl week because he can be quite popular. And there's actually a story that I've probably told on this podcast once before probably when we were out there for Super Bowl 51, but it's one of my favourites, so I end up retelling it here. My man, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, buddy, I'm good. It's, look, delightful to have you in. And the story I was talking about, because I wanted to ask you about the madness of Super Bowl week, you know, someone who coaches in the CFL and and in college, and uh, there was a moment, it was, I think it was 51 or Super Bowl 52. It was certainly a Patriots Super Bowl. And we were there for the opening night. And for people who don't know opening night, it's... (laughs) it's when you get media availability with all of the players but they're all just put into like the floor of a basketball arena at once the 10 biggest names are on a podium and difficult to get to but everyone else is kind of milling around and you just grab as you want that sadly means the special teamers are often just left at the side of the uh, side of the room not you know not getting a lot of people coming over and recognizing them and chatting to them and i walk over and i see jeff reinbold special teams coach giving these guys a team talk like they're about to walk out onto the field for the Super Bowl, talking to them about taking their moment, taking their opportunity, always coaching, Jeff. You're always coaching. You know what? That's that's interesting you brought that up, man. I forgot about that moment. But, you know, Matthew Slater, who's an incredible special teams player, and, and uh, I just saw a thing today where he wants to play one more year and he wants it to be in New England. I hope it I hope it works that way. His dad was a you know Hall of Fame player. I mean, he's an amazing guy. And you know I love those guys because they're the grinders. They're the I wish I I wish I knew soccer well enough to say 
what position that is in soccer that it equates to. But I know in hockey, they have what they call grinders. They're the guys that aren't the superstars, but every they set up the superstars and they create the plays and they create momentum and all that. And the average fan just kind of overlooks them. And But those guys are special guys to me. Well, on that point, and I wasn't going to get into the game already, but how cool is it to see what we saw in San Francisco last weekend, which is a guy who was cut by six different teams, has spent the last three seasons in San Francisco as a gunner, and now he's scoring four touchdowns and running for 220 yards in Raheem Mostert. Like, that story is absolutely incredible. Well, you know, I hope you will take that and really bring that to the, you know, to the UK crowd, because he is an incredible story. A kid who, you know, Florida kid has to go to Purdue. He's a Big Ten sprint champion. I'm not going to tell the whole thing, because I'm going to leave it to you when, <laughs> when you guys get down there. But what he's done is incredible, because you, know, you think about it, the rejection. You know, sales guys, right? You get you get told no five times. Well, you pretty much you're like, nah, this ain't gonna work out. But he believed in himself and persevered through unbelievable re- amount of rejection. He, you know, he's got a family, all this stuff, and he just keeps believing. Interestingly enough, <clears throat> Shanahan was really the one that that turned it for him because he said if because the kid's got great physical tools, he just he needed time to develop as a player. So Shanahan said, you just keep doing your thing. You're going to have a place here. And it's the way it worked out. You know, like I say, the guy has tremendous athletic ability. The knock on him, you know, Will, when he was a young player was he couldn't protect the ball. He fumble and, you know, fumbling in the NFL's next to, I mean, that'll get you out of there fast. Mm-hmm. And, and so he fumbled the ball and, and, you know, had trouble in pass protection and those kind of things. And, we, you know, this is interesting because we were talking about Ali a second ago. But, <laughs> you know, when you get a label, it, it, that's the easiest thing to get in pro football is a label. And the hardest thing to get off you in pro football is that same label. So I, I really, the kids' perseverance is incredible. And you mentioned that, the fumbling problems last year, which Shanahan supposedly told him, you know, we, we're not a good team this year, so this is your chance to learn. Yeah. This is your chance to develop. You know, they only won four games last year and turned it around. And uh, the the story I've loved most from this 49ers team, and I will gush about this team for the next seven days straight. Why? We're going to find, we're gonna have to find somebody Why? to talk about the Chiefs. Why are you going to gush about them? Because I'm a 49ers <laughs> Yeah, fan. Okay, okay, let's get that out on the table right now. And don't get me wrong, I love Andy Reid and Pat. Pat Mahomes is a guy who, um, we were talking about previous Super Bowls, we first have had Pat Mahomes on with us on Radio Row as a rookie back in Houston, and to see where he's gone in the three seasons since then is phenomenal, and so there's like, a, it's weird you get that kind of ownership with it, where you get to know a guy, and you speak to him in the off-season, and you we've written pieces in the magazine and stuff, and then they do well, and you're like, you know you're... And my like naught point naught 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 one percent of that journey, but that's enough that you feel that bit of ownership and that bit of love for them. Yeah, you're on, you're along for the ride with him, and it's funny you talk about that because I remember when when Patrick was a, a rookie, just actually before he got to the NFL, and you know Lee Steinberg is a friend of mine, and Lee Lee is his agent, and he brought him through the Super Bowl as he was trying to sign him as a college player. And he walked through the he walked through Radio Row, and you know the madhouse that's Radio mm-hmm. Row, and everybody's got they got their eyes open looking for the next guy. And he walked through like he was nobody. And Alex Smith walked through, and like he almost had to have armed escort to get through Radio Row. 
lo and behold, ironically, 18 months later, the roles are reversed. You know, they Alex Smith moves on to Washington and Patrick Mahomes becomes the anointed one in Kansas City and Ray, you know, he's now the new face of the National Football League and for us to kind of have a little bit of a touch of that when he was just getting started is kind of a cool thing. Well, we'll, we'll get into the game itself a little bit in, in a while. The, the other story I liked, and this is coming back to coaching and to culture, was going back to the game in uh, in the divisional round against the Vikings. And Akilla Witherspoon gives up that uh, that touchdown for the Vikings on their opening drive at corner. And he's he's been in and out of the team with injury all season, this guy. And the decision's made there and then, right, Emmanuel Mosley's coming in and starting opposite Richard Sherman. Akilo, you're going to drop to our, our dime corner, our nickel corner, or, you know, we're going to find a role for you. And he apparently said to both the defence coordinator and the special teams coach, give me all of Emmanuel's special team snaps. I want him fresh for defence. I'm going to tell you something. What you're talking about right there is the reason why I think San Francisco's going to win the game. And I really do, because... What Shanahan has created in San Francisco is unbelievably rare in pro sport. I'm talking pro sport, not just pro football. I'm talking about pro sport, whether it's the Premiership, the National Football League, the NBA, Major League Baseball, whatever it is. When you get a group of athletes, and this is the hard thing for a lot of people who have never been there to understand. When you get a group of athletes who are all, you know, they're, they're like alpha males. Rich, big egos, right? And when you get them to sublimate all that for the good of the team, watch the 49ers. These are the things that, that really you got to hook into. Watch the 49ers when they score a touchdown. Is it about me or is it about us, right? When somebody doesn't play well, the, again, case in point, what you just talked about, nobody's pointing fingers. Nobody's you know giving a stink eye to another guy. It's about how do we find a way we're doing the game the other night and they go through that stretch where jimmy g is only throwing the ball eight times and neil this is off camera neil looks over at me and he goes i think shanahan needs to pass the ball so so he doesn't feel slighted you know because it's the ego thing that's so prevalent in sports but you watch him he didn't even care he didn't care and he's going to get asked nine thousand times this weekend about you know, do you wish you could throw the ball more, right? And but I don't I don't sense any of that in the San Francisco 49ers. They are the most unselfish team. Emmanuel Sanders, who I know very, very well, he goes there in a trade from from Denver. Last week in the championship game, he caught zero passes. Now this is a number one receiver, right? He catches zero passes. But when Debo Samuel scores or when Mostert scores, who's the first guy in the end zone to congratulate Emmanuel Sanders? That's rare. And he talked about it, it after the game. Emmanuel Sanders was the one that really stood out for me because there's been a lot of talk about what this team do offensively, and we're going to talk a lot about this throughout the week, but the way that they block for the running game and the way it is like old-school football, not throwing the ball a lot, which I, I think you'll see... A, I, I'm still convinced that those two second halves have been as much about let's keep something back... We don't need to be throwing the ball. We don't need to be showing our wrinkles. I think the 49ers are going to bring something special out in the Super Bowl, something no one's expecting. A Philly special type play <laughs> that people are going to be wowed by. I'm convinced of it. But after the game, they talked about, they asked him about it on the TV, on the field, about not getting any, any targets. And he said, oh, 
I don't know whether it's working with Kyle or working with guys like George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk, the, the fullback and the tight end. I really like blocking now. I'm really enjoying it. And you see, Debo Samuel, who you mentioned, yep. is a rookie guy who they worked with last year at the uh, at the Senior Bowl, who came in with what people thought was a limited skill set. The block he threw for Raheem Mostert's second touchdown on the edge was... I mean, there's linemen who can't throw blocks as good as that. Well, he was... took that DB and knocked him out of bounds. And, you know, you look at that same thing, and, and it, you're exactly right. Exactly right. Kyle Juszczyk will touch the ball maybe once or twice in a game, sometimes never in a game. But Kyle Juszczyk earns every cent of his paycheck. And I'm going to go on a rant here, so (laughs) get ready. But Odell Beckham Jr., you got to be kidding me. He's stealing money from from the Cleveland Browns because they're paying him all that money. How many touchdowns did he score? What's his production numbers say? These guys don't care about that. They care about, does this football team win? So why in Cleveland are they hiring a new staff, getting a new general manager, and all the other? Because of they don't understand the culture of winning, and that's what Shanahan has brought to San Francisco. I loved, um, we had uh, Brian Baldinger came in two weeks ago, who you've been working with on yep. on the TV, Baldy, and he was talking about Matt Rule coming into Carolina, who's a guy who he knows very well, knew his father, knows him very well, and, and, and we kind of chatted through what he thought of that appointment, and it was, again, the big thing for him was the culture, the fact that they will take that team, and, and losing players like Luke uh, Keekley, who we saw um, retire from the game last week, who is a huge loss to the team, both in production and leadership. But he just said, look at the culture and look at the way players talk about him who played for him in college. People are going to go out on the field and they're going to die for the team because of the culture that that man brings. And I think that's when you get the difference between a you know, a team, a talented team who do well and a really special team like we've seen, say, in the Patriots over the last 20 years or so. Yeah, there's no question. And, I, and really, you can it transcends sport, really. So you look at, and again, I don't know if a soccer ball's got air or feathers in it. I really don't. <laughs> but I know winning, right? And when you watched Man U, which was the team that was on top when I first came over here, and you watch them and they had this cast of superstars who all could put their egos and all of that aside for the good of the team until and when their ego got too big what happened they went somewhere else and sir alex ferguson understood and was able to get the players to think about the team first and me second there are other clubs and i'm not going to name them cuz i'll get irate phone calls, but <laughs> there are other clubs in the Pembership. You won't, I will. Okay, My okay. Twitter will blow up. Okay, You'll so be fine. I, let me throw this one then. <laughs> I'm going I'm to throw it out as a question to the listeners. And, and Why is Arsenal not one? Same deal, right? They've got enough talented players. They have over, over time. And they can't win. Why do the Cleveland Browns don't win? The Dallas Cowboys, perfect example. Spend. They got the best facilities in football. They're America's team. They got great players. They got all this stuff. Why do they not win? Because they don't have a culture of winning. And that's what, how do you go from 4-12 and 12 to the Super Bowl? That right there. 
I want to ask about working with Baldy the last couple of weeks All because right. you guys see like uh, how much and and <laughs> Jeff just flashed his finger and it is uh, I, I thought that like Tory Holtz is probably a little worse but it is. <laughs> It's impressive <laughs> how you can operate with that, like... You know, it's funny. Not, I, I'm amazed he's not just catching it on doors as he walks through uh, them, or... Thinking about Torrey Holt was amazing because when Coach Vermeil was in, in uh, with the Rams, I would go down to the Rams minicamp and, and help him in minicamp, and Torrey's fingers, I thought to myself, that is the nastiest-looking thing, and Baldy's <laughs> a close second. How does he catch balls? I didn't uh, understand seriously, it. Seriously, it's, like, it's like there's a birth defect. It was like... <laughs> It's not good. Um, how much fun have you had? Because I, I think what's been really great about it is it's taken from what we get in the regular season. Sky Sports, I think, has a really difficult balance to reach. And I think we try and do the same on TalkSport of meeting the expert who's watching it, who's been watching it for 20 years, who knows the X's and O's as, as well as any fan in the States, to the person who's coming to football for the first time, mm-hmm. trying to find that balance between them. And I think I've really enjoyed the relationship between you and Baldy over the last few weeks, because you've been getting into the X's and O's stuff and, and that kind of more in-depth stuff, but keeping it fun as well. I, I think it's been great. That team's been really good fun. Well, first of all, I appreciate that. Second of all, let me just tell you about the genesis or the the growth of this thing because when when we first got to know each other the game was just really beginning to take off and so other than a few very very hardcore fans there was kind of a generic interest in the game you know i mean the game sells itself and the hype and the, the nfl packages it real well and all that but then as people started to really get more and more into their teams and the game and there's more information on the internet and now there's a billion podcasts and every, well, that's all good. And, but what we are challenge in TV and I think probably with, with you too is how do we keep it relevant to the new viewer, but exciting to the hardcore fan and, one of the things that's really unique, and Baldy said this, is the format that we have at Sky Sports is unique. Because if you were doing the same job, if we were analysts in the United States because of the way the commercial thing worked, you don't have enough time. Like Troy and and uh, Tony Romo and all the great analysts that are working in the United States, they have like 30 seconds, maybe 90 seconds to diagram a play. or So they don't have time. We have that time when they're going to commercial where we can really dissect the game and what the feedback that we've gotten is that they the fans now really want to know the whys and wherefores of the game okay well now you know what tampa 2 is but how do you attack it what's the quarterback's read and so that again when you watch it at home you have a greater understanding of what Patrick Mahomes sees or Jimmy G sees or why do they block it this way. And I think that's really where the growth is going to come. Yeah, and, and you do hear it. You hear it from guys who come over. I can remember um, interviewing Peter King when he came over and him saying that he was astonished by the level of knowledge when he's going to those NFL UK events. Yeah. But those are obviously the most hardcore people. Those are obviously the people who are turning up at events and want to go and, you know, ask Peter King about what he thinks about this particular guy coming out in the draft or about, you know, where this team has gone wrong over the last couple of years. And they want to talk about defensive schemes and, and all of that stuff. And it's trying to find that middle point. I think you guys do it really well. And I just, yeah, having Baldy over has been great. It's what? honestly, I've been, 
He I, is a he's fantastic, and I'll tell you what, Baldy has never le- lost, and I think this is the same thing. All of us that really love the game always have this. You've never lost the boyhood passion that you had for the game. You know, Baldy, Baldy played at Duke, played in the NFL for a number of years. Da 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 da. He could be just a guy cashing his, you know, cashing a check and coming over and you know, but. When you sit with him and you start to talk football, and like the greatest, the greatest fun, and really, I wish you could enjoy this with us, was when we go back to the hotel after the show. You're so, you know what it's like when you've done a show. Like right? you just gotta gotta wind down, kind of. Mm-hmm. So we'll have a glass of wine and we'll talk football till five thirty in the morning. But those talks are so much fun because you can sense his real, gen- genuine love for our game and our, everything I have. Football gave to me, so he almost you got to pay it back, you know. He um, he was telling me about how he will be back at the hotel during the week watching the all twenty two film, and he'll be sending you timings, be like Jeff, 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 you've got to check out this play. You've got to look at the you know look at the blocking scheme they've used on this. Look at the and I, I and then we'll throw it up on the screen and we'll use that same play on the Sunday. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's you know, I, it's funny the other you're talking about that because I. The other night we were we were sitting watching tape after the game, and I sent a text to a friend of mine back in the states about a blitz that I saw. Right, and he he texted me back. He goes, "Dude, it's one o'clock in the morning." <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, you just get caught up in it. But it's the same thing. Like I, oh, I watch I you it. guys when when we go to Radio Row, and you know, well, you and Ollie and Matt. It's just, it's fun, man. It's so much fun to be a part of that whole circus. I'm just a sponge. I just want to learn. That's my thing. Like, and I think that's what most people are. When people ask me, like, about getting into the NFL, and and particularly, I think when new fans are getting into it, I'm like, watch it with someone else that knows Uh and ask them questions. They won't. They won't care about answering your questions because they were you once. They like because it's. It's not a sport like when you are in, you know, when you're growing up in the states or or in Canada or whatever, and you're you've got it from peewee football all the way through, and you're brought up in a household where you're watching it, and so you've learnt the sport from the ground up. It's something where you've probably come to it later in life, normally when you're a student or something, and so I think it takes a few years to get the minutiae. And I'm just when we get people on Radio Row who want to talk like the X's and O stuff, I just. Just want to listen. Just feed it to me. Yeah, just... fast. But I'll tell you what, it's a two, it's a double-edged sword because today before the show, uh, I got here early because I, I, I didn't know my way around here, so I wanted to come down early. So I had about 45 minutes, and I go across the street, and I said, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to do some work on my uh, on on the Internet and uh, have a pint while I'm waiting to, waiting for it. And I, I got a pint sitting on the table, and some guy comes over, and he's so excited, he goes, Oh, you're the NFL guy. And he bumped the table, speared the beer all over me. <laughs> That's the talkable way, Jeff. That is the, it, probably somebody that worked here. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, I want to talk to you a bit about, a bit about the game. And, and I want right. to talk to you about the Kansas City Chiefs. How you can maybe beat Pat Mahomes and co. Because I, I'm intrigued by what we saw from the Titans last weekend. There was a lot of people who, who were having a, a dig at them for only bringing three, only bringing four okay. in the pass rush yeah. and not bringing extra pressure. Is that something you're doing tactically because you're so desperate not to give up the 60-yard play? Well, you know, it's really interesting. Kurt Warner was one of the one, most outspoken ones about 
not bringing pressure. Here's the reality, and and we talked about this before the game. When you get to playoff football, Will, all your warts show. Everything that you can't do well really sticks out now. So if you looked at Tennessee as a team, okay, and I'm going to give Odds Checker a little plug right here. <laughs> One of the reasons why I'm 8 out of 10 picking winners in the playoffs for Odds Checker is you see what people were going to attack, right? Well, what is the hole in Tennessee? They don't have an elite pass rusher. They go out and trade to get Kamale Correa, who's one of my kids, in the middle of the season because they know, you know, they lose their they lose the guy that they got in free agency that was supposed to rush the passer for them. It's Cameron Wake, and and so they got they they got nobody. They can't get there. So now Dean Pease is caught in a in a dilemma. Well, if I rush four, then I lose a coverage guy. And so now he rushes. He makes the choice. I'm going to rush three, die slowly, as opposed to try, <laughs> die quickly. And, you know, it's just the way it is when you've got a team like Kansas City that has so many weapons and a guy who can deal like Patrick Mahomes will deal. This, to me, will be the biggest key for San Francisco. Five first-round draft choices in the front, okay? You can play a rotation of guys that are all dominant guys. When you look at Kansas City's offensive line, they're going to protect with five, and they're going to get the back out all the time. They don't chip because if you chip with a tight end, what do you lose? You lose Kelsey as a receiver, which is one of your dominant players. You lose Williams as a receiver, which is one of your dominant players. So then Andy Andy's choice has always been to protect with five. So now it's four on five, and four of those guys are as good as there is in the game. Nick Bosa, thank goodness for Jimmy G's knee injury last year because it got him Nick Bosa. He, he said as much in his press conference after the divisional round. He went, well, at least something good came out of me tearing my ACL. I, I am going to tell you something now. Nick Bosa is as highly developed a talent as a rookie at that position as I've seen. So you've got all those guys. And then now let's look who they're going against. Eric Fisher's the left tackle. Eric Fisher has struggled since he was picked in the first round. As a matter of fact, they almost got rid of him. You know, Duvernay Tardif, he's a good player, not a great. They don't, they're not a great offensive line. That's not five guys you say. Well, so you're going to get one-on-ones across the board. Somebody's going to win. The key is, can San Francisco keep Mahomes caged? Because one of the things that I did not like about what Tennessee did was they tried to come underneath a lot and and to his throwing hand and force him out. Of the, I'm going to tell you something. That guy makes bigger plays when he's out of the pocket than when he's in the pocket. His arm strength is his arm talent is a, a point where he he doesn't need to set his feet. He doesn't need to be in the pocket. He can be literally off both feet throwing sidearm and he can still ping a ball thirty yards to the exact point dime. he needs to go. It's on it's a dime. Ridiculous. Let me let me let me tell you a story about when Patrick was. Um, Lee Steinberg told me the story when Patrick was at his pro day at Texas Tech and all the NFL teams were there because he was such a talented kid although he wasn't a great player as a college player he was kind of a whoa whoa player he'd be whoa what a play and then two series later you go whoa what was he thinking there (laughs) you know but he was such, such, such a talented kid everybody was at that pro day and after it was done and he was getting ready to walk off the field. He asked any of the NFL people that wanted to stay around, and he walked back to the 20-yard line and threw a football into the end zone. Not not 20 yards into the end zone, 80 yards into the end zone. He just wanted to let everybody know that no matter how far it would be, he could get it there. 
And so what is what does Kansas City do? They draft him, bring him in, give him a year to grow, a year to learn how to be a pro because being a pro is a lot more than signing your name to a contract. He learned how to be a pro, and they went out and got a track team for him to throw to. And, I mean, even Tyreek Hill, who has world-class speed. I mean, the guy was in the 2019 Junior Olympics, right, or 2012 Junior Olympics. That kid can't outrun Patrick Mahomes' arm. The um, it, on that point uh, about Lee Steinberg, he's going to be joining us on Radio Row on on Wednesday for our our live show on Talksport Two. The other thing that uh, I the story that I learned from Lee is that in year one, he had no endorsement deals, great, nothing commercial, exactly. Just it was almost like he was like a red shirt freshman in college. It was we're gonna. Uh, do everything to develop and coach you. There's going to be no nonsense on the outside, no noise. You know, when a guy chooses an agent, you know, that's really, really a critical choice for a young player, particularly a quarterback, because their development curve is a little bit different. And Patrick Mahomes' father was an elite Major League Baseball pitcher. And so he knew, which is equivalent to being a quarterback in football, he knew how important it was that the first developmental years in your career are the most important ones in your career because they set the they set the framework for how your career is going to go. And because Lee had been the guy who really has had more great quarterbacks than any other agent, you can talk Drew Rosenhaus and all those guys, but if you talk quarterbacks, Lee Steinberg, and great get for you to have him on the show, he can talk to you about, from Steve Bartkowski on. As a matter of fact, I can't remember the name, but he told me there was one Super Bowl. He had every quarterback in the game was his client. Across Star- the starters sign. and backups. <laughs> every guy that dressed for the game was his client. And so he understood and he knew that what Patrick needed was to be cocooned for a year and learn to be a pro. The... um. Uh, we are looking forward to having him on. The, the kind of to bring it back round to the original question. The reason I asked about that idea of rushing three and, and dropping into coverage and doing that is that it felt like it was part of the Tennessee game plan, like an extension of their offense. It's what we want to do is make this game as short as possible. That's exactly right. Make every drive twelve to fifteen plays, and that way, that explosive offense with those track guys with that big arm. They're not going to go out and score in 90 seconds like we saw them do against the Texans or two and a half minutes or whatever it was, or those kind of really speedy times. And so I'm really intrigued to see because San Francisco, the one thing they have shown, and we saw it against Green Bay, it's whether or not it was a case of it was foot off the gas. But we saw two big, big plays in that game towards the end, two 50-yard-plus pass plays. If you're giving those up to a team that only has one viable receiver and a running back suddenly you've got four or five guys and a quarterback at the very top of his game. That should scare people if they're San Francisco fans and excite people if they're Kansas City oh, fans. I th- I, you're wearing your San Francisco colors pretty strong right there, buddy. I'm, <laughs> I'm all right you, with it. No, but you know, and, 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 it's not the BBC. There's no need for... We'll find someone else to support the Chiefs. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> someone else can be a fan But you know, that. you're right in so many ways. But I think if you look at that time, it was garbage time. The game was never in doubt. I mean, never in doubt. And it's amazing. When they pull it within 14, you still have that little feeling. That little Well, you did. Something I can did. go wrong here. So there could be a turnover. There could be a... The only way that it would have gone wrong is if they'd have totally screwed it up. And Shanahan's too smart for that. But I, that's another thing I want to talk about in a while. But you looked at that time, 
And Richard Sherman got turned around one time for a big throw. But then he came back and made a play. I really, truly believe the approach that San Francisco has defensively, where it's a four-man rush. And, you know, where does this, where does all this come from? Well, it comes from John Lynch because John Lynch played on a Super Bowl champion in Tampa Bay that was built exactly the same way, right? Play from top down in the back end. Don't give up big plays. Let the big dogs eat up front. Rush with four. And again, you go back to those Tampa Bay teams, Simeon Rice, you know, Warren Sapp, Culpepper, all the that's what they were. And that's what has come to be in San Francisco. They're gonna make it hard for Patrick, right? I, I really truly believe that they're gonna make it hard. They're gonna put their hands on those receivers and make them work to get up the field. Because the biggest play, and I'm gonna diagram this for the viewers on on uh, pr- on our pregame show. There's a route called Divide that San Francisco, I mean, excuse me, Kansas City loves to death. And it's a bit, you, they scored it on a touchdown to uh, Hill early in the game with it. And it's it basically what you're trying to do is divide the safety in two. And, but that route takes time to throw, right? And if you're only rushing, if you're, if you're only protecting with five against the four pass rushers that San Francisco has, I like my chances at San Francisco. But I'll tell you my feeling on it top to bottom. And this is what I said on um, uh, when I was chatting with uh, uh, our guys at Betfred the other day. I think San Francisco, and I, I love Andy Reid, and he's a guy who, he's a Hall of Fame coach already. He's got the most wins of any coach to have never won a championship. If they win on Sunday, or a week on Sunday, that will be a phenomenal story. Him getting back there, him getting to finally climb that hill is, is a wonderful thing. But... I think you look at the top to bottom of the San Francisco coaching staff, I think they've got an edge there. And I think 2 to 53, they have an edge. There are great players on the Chiefs team. Of course there are. They're a Super Bowl-worthy team. It's just that Patrick Mahomes element, which just makes me go, there's two or three times a game he's going to do something which you can't scheme for, which you could play it perfectly and he will still beat you because he's just too good. It doesn't matter if you schemed it perfectly, if you tricked him with the play of the passers, he will just do something so out of the box that you just have to put your arms and go, well, what could we have done? What else could we have done? <laughs> you know, and you're right. And you look at, because I've watched every snap of his all year, and you see there's still a lot of room for him to grow as a quarterback. Sometimes he doesn't make the right read. And... You know, against the, against Houston, he makes they run divide. He makes a terrible read because he thinks Hill's going to come open and he's not. The safety jumps him and he throws it anyway and it gets blown up. But I think great players transcend big games. That's what I'm anxious to see with Patrick Mahomes. Now, when you when you're a little boy and you grow up and you watch your dad pitch in the World Series and you play off baseball and you know all that. Maybe it's not so big to you, but I'm going to tell you something. You can't. Why do why do first team teams to the Super Bowl typically not win? Well, because it's the enormity of what we're about to. In, in, I mean, there's a week off. You put your game plan in, and then you go to Miami, and it is a circus. It is beyond a circus. And I think I was looking at it. I think it's the least number of players playing in a Super Bowl this year who have been there before. There's no one on the Chiefs. And on the other side, it's Richard Sherman, Joe Staley, Emmanuel Sanders. I think that might be it. Three out of 106 guys have, have experienced this before 
as a player. Right. And and you know, it's interesting when Kelsey got up on the on the platform and he talked about what he's learned in seven years as a pro and how he's never been to the big moment. I'm going to tell you that you've seen it. You, you've been there. You know what I'm talking about. That that what they go through in that week prior to this game, it's beyond rationality. I mean, the questions that you get asked, the freakiness of the whole week, the how you know. I mean, it's just it's surreal, even and how you best keep a normal routine through that is really really important. Uh, well, it's going to be live on TalkSport next Sunday night, and I cannot wait. It's uh, We're going to be live out in Miami. Jeff's going to be out there with Sky as well. Uh, you're out there all week as well. Absolutely. So we're going to do this again on Radio Row and do it more extensively. One I'm of sure, my favorite, yeah, but you know, one of my favorite things about being I think we're out gonna there. Ex- we just need to go to a bar and do this yeah, for yeah, four or five sh- hours. And We really should. And But one of my favorite things on Radio Row ha- is watching you guys because it is a, it is a <laughs> phenomenon in... I don't know who the boss at TalkSport is, but whatever you're paying these guys, it's not enough because they take over Radio Row. Uh, that's uh, that's too kind. It's far too kind, but I will replay it to my boss in the next uh, in the next hour or so, just just so he knows that the the, the people know the people need to. Yeah, know. you know it, it is, and and you know what what you have done, and I'm not you know pumping your brake, pumping your tires, or whatever they say. I I really I I legitimately mean this. You talked about Peter King, how that was the Peter King saying, well, you know, this is shocking. Like, that's the reaction I've gotten from every single player that's come over here and gone. Josh Norman, Emmanuel Sanders, Thomas Morstead, on and on and on. They all say the same thing. The sophistication of the English fans, the passion of the English fans, the knowledge that the English fans have now. All that comes back to you guys and Neil and all the other people who really work hard to grow our game you know that's 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 you guys well firstly jeff that's you as well don't take yourself off the table in this conversation but that's far too kind of you to say and and i'm sure there's people who would disagree with you but uh (laughs) tell them call me (laughs) that's that's you know because we've gone after their team on twitter or something i don't think arizona cardinals i don't think cardinals fans are going to forgive us for about the next two years because we questioned cliff kingsbury and then they went on a nice little run and yeah, apparently that makes us all idiots. Um, <laughs> but no, we I like love what you guys do. I'm looking forward to seeing you out in Miami, and we're going to have a lot of fun out there. And like I said, we've got a daily show on from out there on TalkSport 2 as well. We've got the Super Bowl live from there. You've got Josh Norman in the studio with you, is right? we got Josh Norman in the studio, Rob Ryan in the studio, and Neil, oh. Neil looked at me the other, yesterday <laughs> when we did Inside the Huddle. It was Rob and I. And Rob and I have been friends for a long, long time, and... And Neil shook his head and he goes, oh, it's like herding cats when you guys are together. <laughs> well, honestly, we the number of times where we have been on Radio Row and it's been like, we had it last year where you, you guys had Rob Ryan on doing a show with you there. And I, I, I actually think that Matt Sherry from Gridiron needed to chat to him for the book more than anything else. But it was like, right, let's get Rob Ryan over. We'll interview him about the game, but then I can have a word with him about having a chat with him later about Matt's book that's coming out about the 100 years of the NFL. And I was like, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, if you want to use us like that, Matthew, that's fine. You know, I, I, I'm all right with it. Um, getting him the 50 feet from oh. where your set is oh. to where our set is it's ridiculous. when he's chatting to you and he's chatting to Neil and there's players milling around and every guy that he knows and it's just like I think it took us about an hour 
to get him from one place to the other. And we were the only interview he was doing. Everyone else was like, oh, Rob, can we get you on? He's like, no, sorry, man, I'm not doing anything else today. Just here to do my thing for TV in the UK. It's like, it's it's so funny when you see the guys like him on Radio Row who just know everyone. And... Yeah, if Neil thinks he's like herding cats while you're trying to do a TV show from a studio in the UK, wait till you get out there. Uh, wonderful stuff. Jeff, thank you so much for coming in to chat with us, and uh, we'll see you in Miami, buddy. My pleasure. Let's, let's what, it be Monday afternoon? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Beautiful. All right. <laughs> Asda, get all your Welsh favourites like a 350 gram pack of Collier's Powerful Welsh Cheddar was £3, now £2. And six braces Welsh cakes, get two packs for just £1.50. St David's Day worthy at celebratory prices. Don't compromise. Asda, save money, live better. Selected stores subject to availability. Welsh cakes, Wales only. £1.10 per pack. Jeff Reinbold speaking to us for the Gridiron Show. Uh, right, let's turn our attention now to the Cleveland Browns. I've not actually heard this interview yet. I'm going to listen to it along with you. I'm sure it's fascinating. Ollie Hunter did it this morning while I was saving a stray cat. That's not a joke. That's actually something that happened. Maybe we'll talk about it on a later podcast. But in the meantime, here is the Scottish Hammer, Jamie Gillen, in the studio with Ollie Hunter. I'm joined by Jamie Gillen, the Scottish Hammer. Uh-oh. Jamie, what a, what a rookie season you've had. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Week two, you were special teams player of the year, of the week, sorry. And then... The whole of September, you were a special teams player. It's been an incredible season for you personally, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a few punts I'd like to take back and stuff because as a specialist, you want to be perfect. But uh, all in all, I'm, I, I was happy with it and I just want to keep improving from it. So, But I had, a, I had fun. That was the main thing, you know. you got to enjoy what you do. So I had a blast going out there and punting the ball. So it's good. <laughs> So you've been back in the UK, uh, you went up to Scotland for the first time in four years, you went to your old school as well, what was that like? Was it a bit weird going back? It was, to be honest, it, it, was, it was a bit odd, uh, you know, not much to change, a couple of teachers that, I, uh, that remembered me and I recognised, uh, so that was, uh, it was quite cool going back and seeing because I learned a lot of stuff there at boarding school with the strict like regime and stuff that I transferred over to the college, because college football was fairly full on with your academics and stuff so it was it was awesome and just talking talk, I couldn't believe I was on the podium talking to a bunch of the the, the boys and that I've, hopefully I didn't blather a bunch of rubbish <laughs> to them but <laughs> it was cool do you think any of them had an inkling of what American football was because I know that you didn't when you went out to the States right uh, I th- hopefully I give them an insight to, to what it's like a little bit because uh, it's you know it's not like a couple of couple of training sessions a week or one or two you know you're in there four or five days a week meetings class 4am workouts all that stuff so it's really really full on and I'll just kind of give them an insight because for people if you if you want to get into football and and stuff you really got to love it because when you go out there it'll it'll drain you because you're in there 100% of your time and fortunately that's what I love doing I like sport that's the only thing I've really been good at so I was cool with it but it's, it's full on. So you were a fly half, mm-hmm. uh, rugby-wise, and you went out to the States. You went to, to high school, and then you were looking for a scholarship once you came out of high school. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, so my dad got stationed. It, it was quite funny. My, um, my dad was working up in RAF Kinloss. Uh, the Nimrods that he worked on uh, got cancelled, kind of. And he got stationed down at the headquarters in High Wycombe. And I was going to a job because I was studying for my GCSEs, and... 
it just a total different vibe and he didn't look like he was really enjoying it and I just said you know as a family we were talking I was like you should just put yourself up for a posting see what happens and I didn't really enjoy the area that I was that they were living in either and he got posted out to the states so we didn't want to do the cross Atlantic relationship sure. and uh I decided to come out of boarding school, which was hard for me. We had a really good rugby team. I was getting a great education. Came back, came over there. Education system was so different there. I was get, It was hard getting used to it. And then just played a couple of high school games and luckily got a scholarship, so it was cool. You play rugby in, in the States or not? Or was it just football? Uh I well no I played I played rugby I, I played a bit of uh, soccer soccer yeah 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 <laughs> and uh, just to stay fit for rugby rugby was a bit difficult though because where we lived in Maryland it wasn't really uh, rife with rugby you got a little team called Pax River uh, but they didn't have tackle rugby until you were uh, eighteen or something like that mm-hmm. and that that was mental to me and I've been tackling since I was seven years yeah. old uh, but we I would travel like two hours to training and that and I wasn't really just wasn't the same. And then I play, I still played though. I played for the state of Maryland. I, I, I played, I think like a Stars and Stripes game, which is like East USA versus West in Colorado. And that was all real fun, but the football route just just came in and I took yeah. that. So you signed for now. Can you help me with the name of your school because I can't get it. It's Arkansas Pine Bluff mm-hmm. or Arkansas Pine Bluff or like it's it's a weird name to try and figure out how to say. Yeah, I got it wrong the first time when they called me. Uh, I said Arkansas. I was like, uh, and the guy was like, "No, it's Arkansas." <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, okay, sorry Ar- about that. That's, yeah. a good, that's a good start. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it was Arkansas Pine Bluff. Okay, fine. And uh, what was it like playing for that school? Because it's kind of a, a small school, but college football is whatever level, really. Because what's it? Sixteen thousand people in that stadium. Um, you don't get anything like that in universities uh, out here or, or, or back in the UK, do you? So right. just a completely different thing to anything that you'd have known. Yeah, and it, that was a real... Because as soon as I arrived there, I was just thinking to myself, this is amazing. Like, we had a it, it, a little weight room. Uh, we had a lockers. I'm looking on our... We had grass at the time, and it was like a fairway. It was so yeah. nicely done, and we had the stand. I'm thinking, this is just amazing. Until I went and saw some other schools like LSU that seat like LSU seats like one hundred and five thousand or something, and they pack yeah. it every time. And I'm thinking sixteen thousand is amazing. This is the bee's knees, and you go out there, you can't even hear yourself uh, think because yeah. it's so loud in there. So it was awesome. It is so loud. I've been to to Baton Rouge LSU to see actually the the Razorbacks. They they lost badly to uh, thank goodness from, from your point of view. They lost badly to uh, to LSU, but it's completely different. It's an absolutely mental game. Is it true that you popped three balls? It is actually. How did that happen? I have no idea myself. Like a lot of people don't believe it, but I was really annoyed because uh, this is before I met with my agent. I, I got with my agent and stuff and everything, so I, I wasn't sure what was going on. I mean, I, I, not nobody seemed to know, telling me what the right thing and wrong thing is to do. And I, I was okay. I went and bought some footballs, and you know they're a hundred pound each, so. I'm a college, a broke college student. Yeah, yeah. Asked my dad for that. Was I? Like, oh, here we go. He, he thankfully funded it, and I got three brand new footballs. And I didn't know how you were supposed to treat them, so I kind of treated them a little bit and was trying to figure it out. It literally, it, it was really cold. It was uh, what 18, 20 degrees Fahrenheit uh, when I was practicing in, and maybe it's the cold or something. But it was like Monday, pot one. Thinking this is mental. Still got two. <laughs> 
popped them the next day and then the one the third day yeah and I was like oh wow this is awesome now I have no NFL footballs to train with so I don't care though it was just, uh, it was just the story of my life at Pine Bluff so it's alright <laughs> and the legend of the Scottish Hammer was born <laughs> so you went undrafted in, in the last draft but you weren't really expecting to go drafted but there was a lot of interest as soon as you um, you were signed up by your agent right? yeah yeah and I take my, my hat off to my agent uh, I love him to death he is the, the greatest guy ever and he's an even better agent and uh, I, I was, I'm just so blessed to be to have uh, to, to be represented by, by him he's just such a good guy and uh, we work really well together and when I got when because everybody was telling me at Pine Bluff to not go the agent route and I understood why for certain reasons because some people have had bad experiences but nobody wanted to come to Pine Bluff because we'd won four games in four years why, why would a coach want to want to come and, and see mm. prospects there you know there's we haven't had a winning season when you have winning seasons you, you get coaches to come so I was lost for ideas and I happened to hit up uh, an old guy he used to go to Pine Bluff he made it to the NFL and he fired me his number sent him my film a highlight film he sent it to Bardia, my agent. I'm sitting in the bathtub in the Epsom salt bath. Get this random call. Answer it. And the words out of Bardia's mouth were, how the F don't you have an agent? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're telling me. I have no idea. <laughs> so we started chatting. And I was really wary at first because of all the negative things that were said about it. But like my dad said, it's like if something was to go wrong, at least it's whatever. You know, I got a free education. If I was to owe an agent money or whatever, it's just what happens. But this is my only avenue right now because whatever was going on at the school and what they were saying I could get that wasn't happening. Mm. I didn't even know I was going to have a pro day and nobody was going to show up. So I went with my agent and boom, I'm, I'm, I'm on ESPN. My highlights there. He's whispering people's ears in the space of wow. one month. Went from. Nobody know my name to. I'm on ESPN and uh, I had 23 or 24 NFL coaches or teams calling me and stuff before the draft. This is absolutely mental. And all because of him. So you went from a losing school record to a team that probably won about four games in <laughs> in the last four years with the Cleveland Browns. Why did you sign for them? Coach Briefer, uh, special teams coach. Uh, and also, I know it was, uh, was going to be difficult... Like I tell people, I didn't beat out Britton Coquit. Like Britton Coquit is an incredible punter, but I knew uh, going there, I was going to get great coaching from Coach Prefer because he's an awesome guy, and then also I could learn a lot from someone like Britton Coquit. He's a ten-year guy, and he's been he's been there for a while and has a lot of stories and a lot of advice. How was he with you? Awesome. We were great pals, but you know that's a, a thing. I feel like uh, maybe just learn over here uh, in, in the UK and um, through rugby and stuff is just uh, respecting you know vet veterans like in a rugby pitch you know you're not going to talk back to a guy who's been on that squad for 11 years mm -hmm. you know you're going to listen to him and you're going to earn your stripes so just listen to him and, and, and learn from him and we happen to be good pals too so we uh, we got along and we both said whatever happens the person who gets the job deserves it but we were hoping that either one of us were going to be on a team somewhere else if either one of us got that job at Cleveland so we're both looking out for each other I wanted to ask you about a couple of things that happened this season and the game against the Steelers and oh, yeah. that incident with Miles Garrett. Mm -hmm. What a crazy situation that was. What uh, were you thinking seeing it from the sideline? Uh, well, 
you know me I don't really take a whole lot serious so <laughs> yeah like, oh go Garrett <laughs> but, uh, it was it was quite crazy but you know when you're in the heat of a of a situation it's it's a lot easier from an outside perspective to say what you would and wouldn't have done uh, I, I I don't I wouldn't I, I you can't judge that because you're mm. not in it and well, Miles Garrett is the the nicest guy ever. Uh, we chat and stuff. He's he's such a down to earth, awesome guy. Built like a flipping tree. He, I've never met a human being mm. so genetically. He's just a beast, and he's just so chill and nice. And whatever whatever happened happened, and he just uh, he just he just did what he did, and so whatever. Unfortunately, he he he's he's getting he's got in trouble for it and stuff, but. Uh, it was so unlike him, and I felt I felt really bad for him because he really regretted what he did. But happens. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a high contact game. It's a violent game. Some stuff happens, so it's cool. What was Baker Mayfield like? What's Great he like? Guy yeah? as well, you know the thing I always say um, because it's true is everybody in that locker room is an awesome guy. Yeah. No matter how the media or whatever betray people, he is. I mean, everybody is an awesome guy. And Baker is awesome. Like he is. So confident in himself, which I love, because that's what you got to be as a quarterback. You can't go out there all squeamish and scared. Like he, he goes out there confident every time. And I mean, you saw how he was at Oklahoma, beast, and he's and he's doing great. He's doing great at Cleveland, you know. And that's the Cleveland. We we had in I can't remember. It was like 15, 18 years or something. We beat the Bengals, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore in the same year. Yeah. And I understand the season didn't live up to the hype, but it's a good starting point. And I hope we hope we keep we keep the same guys and we just build from there, and next season gets better, 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 and you know we'll be in, we'll hopefully be in the Super Bowl at some point. So we've got some guys who have gone out to cover the the Pro Bowl, and three of those guys that you'll hope to keep um, over the coming seasons are out there as well: Joel Bitonio, mm-hmm. Jarvis Landry, and Nick Chubb. What have you got? Have you got anything that perhaps our guys can can bring up or mention to to those guys out there and uh, and say, yeah, well, uh, Jamie Gillen said this about your pal. <laughs> <laughs> you got uh, any dirt on Jarvis? That's what I'm asking. Oh man, any dirt? On guys? <laughs> I don't have any dirt on any of them. Uh, <laughs> you're too you're too nice. That's why. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> uh, Betonio would kick my ass for a start. So <laughs> I think I'll just stay away from that. Okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, a couple more things because I know you've you've got a really really busy day. Freddie Kitchens, Coach Kitchens, it didn't quite work out for him. Um, and you've got a new head coach coming in, Kevin Stefanski. Obviously, you probably haven't. He's not going to go around calling everybody on the roster, I should imagine. But do you know anything about him? And, and do you know what have you had talks about where you guys you think you'll be for coming into next season? Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, mate. I haven't. Well, this could change at any time, but, you know, prefer still there. Coach Coleman, so there's assistant. Well, that's the main thing for you, right? And, yeah, and you know, because special teams, whether you, you, you like it or not, we're actually just a, such a different animal to the team, and we're so separated. I'm a team guy, and I'm talking to everybody, and we're always gonna, you know, I'm good pals, and everybody views me as a player of the team. But it's such a separated part of the game that we spend a lot of time away from everything that goes on in the training. So uh, I'm glad that Prefer's still here, mm-hmm. and because I know. Coaches normally come in and clear your house and bring in their own guys and stuff. So I was very happy. The prefer as of right now, Touchwood is still here. We're still going to keep getting better together and helping out the defense. Uh, 
as far as you know new head coach and stuff uh just looking forward to going back and, and chatting to him and, and uh, introducing myself and, and going from there because he, uh, he's got probably a million things on his plate right now and I'm, the punter's probably the last person he's going to call. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what? I should, I should probably think so. Um, it, we've got the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks' time. It's, it's live on TalkSport uh, exclusively. We're, we're, I'm going out there. Can't wait. Really looking forward to it. Um, you guys lost to the 49ers. Didn't play the, the Chiefs this season. Mm-hmm. 49ers, what a team they are, right? They're both electric. I hope, I hope it's going to be a, a really exciting game. I think it will be because a guy like Patrick Mahomes back there, and uh, the type of offense that the 49ers run, it could be just a shootout, and that's you know fun to watch. After last last year's uh, Super Bowl, what was it? Ten three Patriots Rams. Let's hope it's an absolute shootout right. as yeah as well. And. Um, there's four games, I think, next year in in the UK. Mm-hmm. Two at Wembley, two at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. That stadium, by the way, if you haven't been, it is unreal. So I've heard. It's it, it's it's so good. Would it be something? I know the Browns came and played a couple of years ago. Would it be something that you'd like to come and do? Absolutely. I mean, it's all life's about experiences, and experiencing an NFL game in London would be amazing. And then a lot of my family members will be able to come to it too. They've never been to a, a football game. So uh, I'll probably be getting about 25 tickets <laughs> yeah. to that thing. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sure NFL UK would be able to help you out with any more as well. well finally, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. What's it like being the only Scott in the room? So, I mean, do, do the guys understand on, on the roster that you're... You're not from the states. Do they? Do you often get people going? What are you? What are you saying? Can you repeat that? Is is all? They clued into your accent, or do you America Americanify your accent when you're out there? Definitely. When I first moved moved over, I had to Americanify my accent because I couldn't even order food without <laughs> the, the waitress or waiter going, "Excuse me." Uh, so. Uh, everybody knows I'm from Scotland, and they think it's hilarious. They, they, they. You know, we have a, a bunch of banter and stuff. And uh, people always say, "I can't believe I have a Scottish guy in the room." <laughs> gonna make fun of me a little yeah. bit, but it's all, it's all, it's all good fun. Uh, but I have a pretty posh jock, mixed kind of accent, so it's pretty easy to hear. But you, you pull a glass of weed, over there, you had nobody yeah. would know what you're saying, would it? So it was cool. <laughs> Jamie, thanks for coming in, and uh, good luck for next season as well. Appreciate that. Thank Cheers you for having on. me on. The Scottish Hammer, Jamie Gillen. Thank you for listening to The Gridiron Show. Uh, just a little extra bonus one to get you through before we start slopping out the content from next week. Do check out the stuff on Gridiron on Twitter because Matt and uh, Josh and John are out there in Orlando for the Pro Bowl. They've got some brilliant interviews already. I'm sure there'll be plenty more to come as well, so keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, thank you for listening. We'll see you in Miami. This has been The Gridiron Show. We Danes are a modest bunch. We enjoy simple pleasures. As such, we tend not to blow our own trumpets. But since Carlsberg Export has a refined, full-bodied and rather satisfying taste, perhaps just this once. Too much? Probably. Carlsberg Export, probably the most modest beer in the world. Enjoy responsibly. Drinkaware.co.uk for the facts.